But there was a young boy, and he was in the foyer of the church, and he was, he was sitting in the foyer of the church. He was looking at these plaques on the wall that had a list of names under previous wars that had happened in World War I, World War II, the Vietnam War, the Korean conflict, Gulf War, different things like that. And he noticed that all these names of men and women were on the, the plaques. So he goes, he, he asked the pastor, and he goes, Pastor, he says, who are all these people that... And why are their names on this, this plaque? And, and the pastor looked at the little boy and he says, well, these are, these are people who died in service. And the little boy was puzzled for a moment and he looked at the pastor. He goes, pastor, was it nine o'clock or 11 o'clock service? <laughs> Gotta love kids. Amen. Well, hey. One of the things that I want to share on Memorial Day is talking about this rhythm. We're closing out this series of rhythm of life. And I want to talk about overcoming your problems in life because problems are going to come to each and every one of us. And each and every one of us will face battles in our, in our daily life, in our regular life, whether it's financial, spiritual, relational, marital, vocational, uh, health-wise, whatever. And God put this story in the Bible in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And if you just keep your finger there, we'll be flipping back and forth. But we're really going to focus on this story because I believe it shows us a spiritual rhythm to winning the battles in our life. 2 Chronicles 20 is the story of King Jehoshaphat. And it's one of the most, I believe, one of the most epic battles in history. As here you have the king of Israel. He received a word from one of his friends that a combined army of three enemy nations was on their way to fight him and to conquer him. Verse 1 says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Minyanites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A fast army is coming against you. And they were really close. They were right there by the Jordan River. And the odds were against them, but yet there was something in Jehoshaphat's favor that we need to understand. Somehow, I believe deep down, inherent deep inside his heart, he knew victory was his. And I believe that his attitude, everybody say attitude, is what we need in our lives when we confront what we are facing right now. I believe that Jody's vision was for a, such a time as this that so many times we don't look at the spiritual realm, but we look at the natural realm, and then we live in fear, we live in doubt, we live in panic, we live in defeat, we live in a defensive posture instead of an offensive posture. So let's pray, and then the next 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, I'm going to share. Father God, I just thank you. And Lord, I just know you're absolutely amazing that you declare each and every one of us to be a champion in Christ. That, Father, your grace is sufficient, Father. So, Lord, as we unpack King Jehoshaphat's life, what he did, what the people did, Father, it ensured victory in their lives. So open up our spiritual hearts and eyes. For the next 15 minutes, let us be totally focused, vertical, on the Holy Spirit and what you're pouring out from the very throne room of God that you're depositing in our lives, that we can establish a rhythm of victory in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that you've got to do in having a rhythm of victory in your life is you've got to identify the enemy. That's what we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. And really, most people, it's simple, but it's really not that actually that simple because pe most people don't know who the enemy really is. We think it's the person or persons that are trying to take something from us, our job, our spouse, our money, etc., etc. But very often our enemy is our own attitude. 
It's our attitude of how we look at things in our life. It's not so much the situation that gets us down, but it's our response to the situation that gets us down. And before we start winning personal battles in our life, we have to accurately and honestly identify the enemy. Notice how Jehoshaphat reacted when he heard that these three nations were coming against him. Second Chronicles 20 verse 3, it says he was alarmed. Another version says he was terrified. And you know what? That is a typical reaction. When we see a big problem in our life, when we see a situation in our life, we panic, we become afraid, we become unsure what is going to happen, and not even so much of what is going to happen, but we personalize it of what is going to happen to me. And that is a totally normal, natural reaction to the problems that we face in our life. Fear is not bad unless we deal with it. Don't miss this. Fear is not bad unless we deal with it in the wrong way. We can use fear to motivate ourselves to conquer the problems and situations in our life, or we can allow fear to get us discouraged. We can allow fear to cause us to give up. We can allow fear to get angry at God and say, why me, God, and thrust our fist at him. And when we hit to that point, then the enemy defeats us. But the rhythm, everybody say rhythm. The rhythm of a victorious life happens when, as 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, that we get the mind of Christ. That Romans 12.2 says that we renew our mind to the word of God in Christ. The second rhythm of victory is you need to admit your inadequacy. King Jehoshaphat, like a lot of us, he was afraid. He was afraid when he got the bad doctor's report. He was afraid when the banker called and said they're going to foreclose. He was afraid when the boss says we no longer have a position for you. And he was facing what seemed a hopeless situation. And what I love about 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, it says, he cried out to the Lord. Look what it says. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. And I love it because he didn't individualize it, but he, he, he got a group of people. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Horizontally, we don't know what to do, but vertically, we are looking to you for help. King Jehoshaphat admitted his inadequacy. And there's only really one kind of person that God doesn't help in life. Somebody who thinks they don't need God's help. And when we admit our inadequacy, and when we ask God for help, then God can begin to work on it in our lives. And we see in verse 12 that King Jehoshaphat admitted him and he, his counselors, him and his counselors, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do when things are happening in our culture and society. We don't know how to respond. We don't know what to do. And it's funny because you, you listen to all the news media and everybody's got their things on it. But the one thing that I haven't heard is, is they say, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are up on you. 
See, we have to get to a place in culture, and, and before culture and society ever gets their eyes back upon Christ, we as the church first have to get our eyes back upon Christ. We individually have to get our eye uh, as a Christian upon Christ, and then other people will see us looking up to Christ in the church, and then when the church gets their eyes back upon Christ, then our society and culture will begin to change in our life because we need to get our eyes focused on on because too many times we're focused on everything around us except the one who can solve our problems. Isaiah 40, 26, lift up your eyes and see. Everybody say see. You know, one of the things that I can tell you that I do when I start having thoughts come into my mind, whatever those thoughts are, I do one of two things, or one of three things, really. I quote scripture, because if you're quoting scripture, then I can't focus on two things at once, so I just quote the word of God. The second thing, when I have a thought or something come to mind I don't want to think about, I pray in the spirit. Or the third thing is I pray in English. I pray scripture in English. Those are the three things that I do because immediately they cancel and get me back into a rhythm because these circumstances are like a mattress. If you sleep on top of the mattress, you get rest, you're uncomfortable. But if you sleep underneath the mattress, you about suffocate. Come on, say amen. So if we keep our eyes on the Lord, we'll win out over our circumstances in our life. We can't live out this Christian life on our own because we'll have a power shortage. We need to live out of the power that comes from the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Jesus said, I send you a comforter. I send you an advocate. I send you a counselor. I send you a protector. I send you the person that is everything that you need in your life. We as a Christian live not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, Zechariah 4 says, God says, we need to let the spirit of God live through us. Everybody say rhythm. It's a rhythm of letting the spirit of God live through us, not just on Sundays, but the other six days of the week. The rhythm of victory is, the third thing is you got to take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. Look what it says in verse 3 and 4. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Man, that's a picture of the church. People coming from all these different communities to do what? Seek the Lord. And in the midst of a crisis, what did King Jehoshaphat do? Declare a fast. To declare a fast. He proclaimed a fast and had all the people, all the people came together and sought the Lord. Why do we on 1 through 21 August and 1 through 21 January come together as a church corporately to seek the Lord? That's it. It's not about just taking a day or days out of your life. No, it's to, to seek the Lord because we got to get into a rhythm of victory. We got to reset our lives. We have to take our problems to the Lord and get prayer warriors around us. Not people who say they pray, but people whom you see pray. And then God, with the, go with God with the problems, and then you'll begin to see victory. You know, each and every day, it amazes me, each and every Sunday we have a, a prayer team up here. We have a prayer team up here to pray, and so many people don't take advantage of the prayer team. And then four days later, you're calling and say, man, I need prayer. You know what? The Holy Spirit knows what you need in advance. you got to listen to that unction and come for prayer with people that pray. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. I want to share something I don't think I've ever shared publicly to this level. 
But James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, we prayed when Paige was in her time of terrible disease. The doctor's reports, everything looked negative. The blood reports, in the natural, everything was terrible. And the first thing that we did was James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. You'll see a picture up there where we called people that we knew prayed. And not just pray, say they prayed, but they prayed. And we begin to pray and we begin to believe for her healing, a divine reversal. But we only didn't believe for a healing, but we believed that she would step into health. Because ever since she started desiring to give away one-year Bibles, it's been a war. What I'm saying is the first thing that she asked was for prayer. She took the word at its legitimacy and said, that's what the word says. And we prayed. Folks, prayer has to stop being our last resort and start being our first resort. But why is it our last? Let's be real. Let's really think about it. Why it's our last resort? Because we want to work things out on our own. We want to work things out on our own. Or fear says, trust this. Well, hey, I believe in the doctors. I believe in medicine. I believe in all that stuff. But let me tell you, when you activate it with prayer first, all of a sudden it works a whole lot better. It was an amazing thing. One day a dream teamer came to one of our pastors. I won't say who the dream teamer coach was or the pastor was. And they said, pastor, we really, really got a problem and we can't find a solution. Everything we're trying is not working to solve the problem. And the pastor said, he goes, well, I guess, I guess we, all we can do now is pray. And the dream team coach says, has it really come to that? <laughs> we laugh. But it's true. Prayer ought to be the first weapon we use, not the last, whenever we face the battles of life. See, when we, in Jody's vision, prayer, praise, and worship activates ministering, warring, and guardian angels. When we really get that, seven days a week, it can be there. So whenever we face the battles of life, we need, okay, I need to pray, I need to praise, and I need to worship. Then I'll call the doctor, then I'll call the prayer team, then I'll call the elders of the church, but first I'm going to pray, first, and then secondly I'm going to praise, and then thirdly I'm going to worship. It's to remember that Jesus fought the biggest battles in his life, and if you notice, he always prayed the most. He prayed first. King Jehoshaphat, in essence, prayed, God, I know you've helped me in the past. God, I know you'll help me in the future, so God, please help me right now. Everybody say pray first. That is, there. Yeah, before he consulted, that's what he did. The fourth thing is you got to, to have a rhythm of victory. You got to relax in faith. Relax in faith. Verse 15, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And then look how God responded to the king's prayer. Relax in faith in life's battles, King Jehoshaphat. And tell the people. And when the people see you relaxed in faith, King Jehoshaphat, then they'll relax in faith. 
See, problem is too many Christians are worn out because they're trying to fight God's battles in their own strength. And that happens, that's cause that's burnout. Because if you have the Holy Spirit, he never burns out. So, so how are you burning out if you got the Holy Spirit in you? Because you're trying to do it in your own strength. And when we do, the result is we'll be sure to be defeated in our own strength. But watch the rhythm. See, when we first become Christians, we may not really understand what we've gotten ourselves into. And in our enthusiasm, this God infusion, enthusiasm means God infused, that in this enthusiasm, we may think we're ready to bring in God's kingdom single-handedly to the situations around us. And we're eager to win the world for him. And then we work hard, and the reality sets in, and eventually we come crawling back, and we're feeling remorseful, and we're feeling disappointed. We feel like we've let God down. But you know what I want to tell you that you didn't let God down because you were never holding him up. We don't hold God up. He holds us up. We don't have God in our hands. No, we're in his hands. And it's all this perspective. So relax in faith. And, and God says, let me work through you. God says, relax in faith. And I have these spiritual beings called angels that if you will pray, and if you will praise, and you will worship, then I can release them into your situation and let them begin to fight the battle with you. When you get tired of doing yourself, God says, great, now I can start working through you. Colossians 2.6, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. In other words, the same way that you became a believer, that's the way you're to live your Christian life. Relax in faith. It's a choice. Ephesians 2.9, that salvation is not by work so anyone can boast. You did not become a Christian by working hard to be at being good. You did not become a Christian by promising to be perfect or doing your very best. You became a Christian by simply saying, Lord, I relax in faith and I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. In a moment, we're going to have a water baptism. And that's exactly what Amber did. We should continue as Christians with that rhythm and let God manage victory in our life. Victory in our life is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory. Folks, open up the gift of victory and live in it. Everybody say rhythm. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 and 17, God instructs King Jehoshaphat, don't be afraid. The king had every reason in the world to be afraid. It was three against one. And God said, don't be afraid. Why did God say that? Because God promised to fight the battle for us and with us. For us and with us. This summer I'm doing an overcomer series. Summer overcomer. It's learning to let God fight the battles. My first one is discouragement. Because I believe it's probably one of the greatest diseases out there that affects people. Discouragement. The second one is depression. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever lost a battle? So if you know he's going to win in the end, then relax in faith. And your problems will begin to shrink in size when you turn them over to the Lord. Notice what God says to King Jehoshaphat in verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm. Everybody say stand firm. Stand firm. 
when you have a problem. Stand firm when you're facing a battle. Stand firm when you're having a life crisis. It's a mental attitude. I said at the very beginning, your attitude determines your victory or failure in your life. It's an attitude of quiet confidence, not egotistical. It says, you know what? I am going to trust God. I am going to trust God. One of the lessons that I've been learning in my life is it's never God's will for me to run from a difficult situation. That's not God's will for my life. Because if I do run, that situation will only follow and eventually catch up with me a little bit farther down the road. The rhythm may not look the same, but it'll be the same problem. Why? Because God wants to teach me that he's sufficient for any situation that I need in my life. If I'll admit my weakness, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, each time, each time he said, notes the rhythm, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. And then Paul gets it, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Everybody say rhythm. Because see, if I don't learn it this week, I may have to relearn it next week. And if I don't learn it or relearn it next week, then maybe next month or next year I'll have to do it again. Eventually I'm going to have to learn it so the sooner the better that I learn what God is trying to teach me, that his grace is sufficient for me. Amen. You can save yourselves problems by standing firm. We save ourselves problems by standing in quiet confidence of trusting God. What do we stand firm on? King Jehoshaphat said we are to have faith in the Lord our God and we will be upheld. We are to have faith in the prophets and we will be successful. We need to stand firm on the character of God because we can always count on God. He'll never let us down. We can stand firm on his writings that God has given us to, to, through the prophets. In other words, the word of God, the Bible. Folks, this Psalm 119 challenge, four verses a day. Why are we trying to do that? Why do I bring it up every week? Because the Bible is God's word, and we need to rely on it in quiet confidence on his written promises. Because if you rely on his written promises, then when you pray, so be it. So be it is so be it. And the last rhythm is to thank God in advance. Thank God in advance. It was uh, probably about a week before Paige's surgery, maybe two weeks. And it was right after the bad doctor's report, and we'd set up and scheduled the surgery. And Trish was spending the night with Paige. And they shared with me the next morning what had happened about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. The Holy Spirit woke Paige up and gave her a word that I've grabbed onto for anybody and everybody that I, I counsel on healing. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Paige and said, quit asking me for your healing and start thanking me for your healing. Because the moment that you ask, it's released to come towards you. Then the battle begins. Don't miss this. And they told me that as soon as that word got up, Paige woke her mom up. And for the next hour, they just worshipped. No longer asking. From that point on, we no longer asked God to heal Paige. But we thought, thanked him for her healing and her health. Why? Because a new rhythm of victory came a new rhythm of thankfulness thank you lord for healing my daughter Paige. thank you that she's going to live in health thank you that she's not going to be hindered by those things in her life 
The story of King Jehoshaphat is fascinating because it says after he consulted the people, he appointed people. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21 and 22. It says after consulting the people, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. I love this. The king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And at that very moment, everybody say, very moment. That very moment, they begin to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies confusion and all this stuff. They started attacking and killing, killing each other. When we as a church get in unity of prayer, praise, and worship as, as a church, we prepare the way for an amazing thing. So let me paint this picture. You're standing on the mountaintop, and you're looking across the valley towards the mountaintop, and on the other side is an enemy three times greater than you are. And you know the battle is about to take place, and it's going to take place in the valley. Because let's be real, nobody wants to be in the valley. Everybody hates valley. Everybody likes the mountaintops. And here's God's battle plan. All those who sing on the worship team, you're going to be the guide on. And I want you all out front. And so the army goes marching into battle with the worship team out front, singing praises to God. Releasing an atmosphere of miracles. And after our baptism, we're going to have our prayer team up here. They're going to pray for miracles. I encourage you, whatever it is, take a moment. You can go get snow cones afterwards. They'll serve those. The students are. But the question is, when did God's plan work? And this is amazing. The three enemies got confused. They ended up killing each other. And all God's people had to do was divide the plunder. And it took three days to divide the plunder. So whatever the enemy stole that seven times back, I mean, this is just three times. As a visual object lesson, why did God do it this way? As a visual object lesson, that praise and thankfulness and worship and prayer has to be done in faith. Everybody say rhythm. You need to create faith, worship, praise, prayer, into a rhythm, even, listen, even before victory takes place. That's the rhythm of victory. Second Chronicles chapter 26 through 28. So whoever's going to come up and play, come on up and play. On the fourth day, they gathered in the valley of blessing. It's the only time I see it in scripture. Usually it's a valley of discouragement, it's a valley of death. But look right here. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. In the darkest, most difficult times, why did it go from a valley of defeat to a valley of blessing? Because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. And it's still called the Valley of Blessing today. Man, you can pass this that your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren can be blessed in the valleys. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. 
they marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps and lyres and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. And notice it says, when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself fought against the enemies. People will see us. When we as a church truly get into unity, and Sundays are just practice. Small groups are another time. Dream team serves are another time. When people see that about us, then they'll turn to the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Amber, if you want to come on up over to the side, we'll get ready to baptize you here. We're simply saying, Lord, I know I have problems, but I thank you in advance that there's no situation that you cannot take care of. That's faith, thanking God in advance. That completes the rhythm of victory in our lives. Prayer, praise, thankfulness, worship. Prayer, praise, thankfulness, worship. Prayer, praise, thankfulness, worship. And right now, maybe you need some area of victory in your life. The first and foremost, as we get ready to celebrate with Amber, is salvation. Is ensuring that heaven is your destination. Because tomorrow is promised to no one, and today is the day of salvation. And if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, then right there at your seat, just say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come into my heart and give me a brand new start. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe the hundredth time, then I'm going to ask you to fill out a connect card, drop it in the black boxes as you exit so we can come alongside you with next steps, growth tracks next week, water baptism, small groups. All those are great opportunities and next steps. Just going to ask you to stand. The angels in heaven are shouting. We're excited for Amber and God's next steps for her life. Let me pray a blessing over you and the prayer team will come up here if you need prayer. If you need a miracle in anything, I would come up for prayer this time. The students will be serving snow cones after service just to be a blessing to you. Father God, we just thank you. And Lord, I believe that you want to release an atmosphere of miracles in the house. Father, you want to touch people's lives. And Lord, as they come up here in faith, Father, that we thank you. We thank you for the manifestation of the miracles. Father, we thank you for the reports of the manifestation of the miracles physically, financially, relationally, spiritually, whatever facet that they need you to move in. We come into agreement and we say, so be it. We move it and Father, we, from this point, we, we stop asking and we start thanking. Thanking, Lord. And we ask your angels be able to clear the way for that miracle to come and from the supernatural realm of heaven and manifest in the natural. Lord, be with everybody this week, online, in person, those who are traveling. We pray, Psalm 121, safety over them, Father. Let your angels be about them. Take them where they're going. Bring them home safely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all.